Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. And now a moment for our sponsors. I want to highly recommend you get Acquisition Aficionado magazine. Every month, Acquisition Aficionado magazine brings you tactics for business buying and selling you won't find anywhere else. Learn firsthand from industry leaders who share their success stories, featuring in-depth interviews and stories from leading figures in the business acquisition industry. This multi-platform mobile magazine speaks to acquisition entrepreneurs wherever they are in the journey. And I want you to visit acquisitionaficionado.com today. Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast. Today I'm here with Gia Salento. She is an acquisition entrepreneur and a really good friend of mine and co-founder of a couple of the projects I'm working on. I just wanted to have you on the show today, share the knowledge that you have and introduce the world to who you are and what you're working on. So thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you. I'm really glad to be here. And we have some history. I like working with you, obviously. (laughs) So I'm really happy to be here. So that's a unique trait in itself. There are not a whole lot of people that can say that in in an honest, single voice. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm I'm honestly, directly one of those guys you either love or you hate, and I'm okay either way with it. So uh, that's cool. So let's just start off with like your origin story. You've got a varied history in entrepreneurship. You've been mentored by some really awesome people. Let's just kind of get to let's start with like what you've been doing before the acquisition entrepreneurship. And then we'll get into kind of how you got into this space and we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah. Geez. I've always liked working for myself. I've worked for other people. I've been employed and had the J-O-B. But I think I, I started doing my own thing the, the first time when I was eight and I saw something <laughs> in the back of a comic book. I was like, let me go and see if I can make some money this way because we needed milk and eggs and stuff. I have a lot of younger siblings. So I got the bug and I've always loved kind of going out on my own and doing something. I did spend some years in corporate and it was fun, but it was also you were doing someone else's bidding. Coming into COVID, I was involved in book publishing and I had started a, my marketing agency. And I've been doing marketing for years and publishing for years. I started out in newspapers and magazines and just just so much fun. Deadline driven on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. But so at COVID, I, I was like, something big is happening here. I need to do something a little different because things are changing rapidly. I think it was like February, March. And then I was looking online. I did a few different things. Billy Jean is marketing, just really... I just love him. He's just, nothing is off limits with him, at least (laughs) almost nothing. And I found that really refreshing. Love him. And then I found Roland Frazier and thought, this is cool. Like one of the main things that caught my attention was ethics. His program is called Epic Ethical Profits in Crisis. And I really like that because I feel very strongly about integrity and ethics and honesty, honor, being able to trust who you're working with. And I dove into that. I was involved in his second iteration of the online course. And he started it even before COVID happened. He was talking about the small business crisis with all of the baby boomers retiring 
kind of at the same time, I mean, within the 20 year span, I don't even know what the percentage is, but millions of small businesses are going to close. That I found very exciting to be part of that, to help small business owners figure out how the hell they're going to, can I say how? You can say anything you want on this show. <laughs> I clicked that adult button just in case. Uh, one of the oh, things good. I might okay. get Dan Pena on here and then we'll have to really watch it. <laughs> yeah. I'll try not to drop any F-bombs here. <laughs> but yeah, I worked with, I went through Roland's course and met a bunch of great people and I did Jeremy, I worked with Jeremy's course and, and then Eric and I got involved with, I met Eric and Epic. So we went into a partnership together and acquired a company and it's called Relevant Tools. And just kind of, I lost my, my that's okay. Last way, train so thought. you're at the stage right now where you've, you've been through Roland's course, you met Eric, you partnered up with him, you guys bought, you did a, a deal where you've got an ownership interest in relevant tools. Did you eventually end up holding, owning the whole thing? Or are you still working with the original founder? We're still working with the founder. We've had to pivot that company. It was kind of on a, you could consider it that it was in distress. It was declining. I consider it CPR. <laughs> It's been a road to figure out how do we pivot this company? Because it, it started out as an email service provider and ran like that for about 20 years. But along the way, it started doing other projects. So as we dove into that, Eric and I both had experience in using email, but we had never owned a SaaS, an email marketing SaaS. Getting involved in that and figuring out how do we, the competition there is so steep and I think it's saturated in some to some degree. And then you have the big giants like uh, Mailchimp and Constant Contact and such. We started diving in. What's the client base? What are the case studies? What has it been used for? And we have taken it now, and we're concentrating in on parks and rec departments as our very micro niche. And what we can do for them is it's a membership based thing. So mm -hmm. people registering there's events. So managing the membership, managing the registration, this SaaS can really do that very well. So we've been focused there and now we're diving into that. Sometimes I felt like, like, I'm going to pull my hair out trying to figure <laughs> out how to save this company. And I think we've come up with a really great solution. It's a nice little micro niche. There's not a ton of competition. So there's a really good way for us to shine. It's interesting. So you picked up something that already had a proof of concept, been around for 15, 20 years, had product market fit at some point, or it wouldn't have lasted that long. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it's just the product market fit maybe doesn't fit so much anymore to where you're not competitive in the space. So you guys had to carve off another niche and verify product market fit on that one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's still going and moving forward or? It is. Yeah. We're in the middle of creating some video, creating some campaign collateral, and we've been testing out different ad campaigns and having a lot of fun with that, using some AI to help stimulate some <laughs> creativity. Like, oh, that looks, you know, I love the AI and it's just so exciting to play with that. And Eric is, he introduced me to you. He loves the tech. He loves all of that tech stuff. Awesome. I'm into the AI stuff. No, I've known Eric for quite a while. She's talking about a mutual friend of ours, Eric Kaczynski. I got his name right. Kaczynski, always... yeah. But a uh, guy is stellar in the tech space. He's just understands anything tech just deeper than I do. And I've been in that space for a while. I met you through 
a big project we had going on. We were doing a marketing mm-hmm. roll-up. I interviewed you through and Eric and brought you guys into that project. It didn't end how we wanted, but we learned a lot. So we won't take that project too far <laughs> on this conversation. It's probably been beat to death on the show already. Um, that project wrapped up. You and Eric and some of the other guys are, uh, you're working on, on something I jokingly refer to as the Tootsie Roll. <laughs> That's a joke. This is a brilliant project. They're doing something cool. So don't let my demeaning it. Uh, oh. But tell us what you're working on and uh, correct my slang that I've given you and calling your, your roll up a Tootsie Roll. Well, it's really funny because it's in the chocolate industry. And the fact that you say Tootsie Roll, I know some people consider that chocolate, but that's not chocolate. <laughs> it's, it's not chocolate. <laughs> if anyone loves chocolate, you know what I'm talking about. If you have an urge for chocolate and somebody hands you a Tootsie Roll, you're probably going to like throw it back. Yeah, that's not what you want to write. Yeah, I get that. So, yeah, <laughs> I think we're going off track here. So let's talk about this chocolate roll-up. You guys are doing something cool. You're looking for chocolatiers. And, chocolatiers uh, or chocolate makers. Yeah. There's a difference. Oh, what's the difference between yeah. a chocolatier and a chocolate maker? <laughs> chocolate maker takes the raw product, like the cacao, and... And creates a bar or a, I don't know, they're called something, but nugget that you can melt and create. And a chocolatier would create, say, a bonbon. They would take those, the bars and the, the nuggets, the pellets, and melt them down and create their own recipes for kind of like if you ever went to a Godiva store mm-hmm. and you bought the bonbons that were $50 a piece. But it's like that. So that's the difference. One is taking the raw product and making either they can sell the bars or they make the product that then goes to the chocolatier. And then the chocolatier takes that and creates their specialties. And everybody has their own. There's a lot of different a variation of flavor and ingredients. And- so you guys are buying and it's a roll-up strategy. So you're going to buy an anchor or work with a chocolatier that's an anchor and then right. add on to it. Is that the strategy? That is the idea. We're going to, right now we are doing the search for the anchor. We would be okay with 10 million, but we're really looking for something between 15 and 20, 25 million top line. And then we want to work with them to grow that main anchor company through bolt-ons, tuck-ins, complementary businesses that might lend to the growth and also tuck-ins of something similar. Say if it's a chocolate maker, maybe we want to look to other companies between the 1 million and 5 million top line that, that might have retail space, or they might be a chocolatier, just to make something really attractive for the end buyer. So what's in it for the chocolatier, chocolate company, chocolate maker? Are they getting to exit now, or are they needing to work with you for a little while? Or Well, a roll-up is going to take a couple of years. Right. And the idea is there, there's a really nice uplift in your multiple that you can sell for and the amount not, that you can, your valuation is going to increase. So in the end, you're going to be able to exit your company for a lot more than you could at your current state. That's what we're looking for. Somebody who is interested in exiting, whether they want to retire or they want to go on to something else within two to three years. We want to have a good year, maybe six months to a year to bring in the bolt-ons and tuck-ins and bring in the other companies, grow the main anchor, and then another year on the books to have that consolidated financials actually have some solidity, have some show growth, show integration and stability for the end buyer. So they know that what they're buying, 
the company that they're buying actually has some substance to it and can then, whoever it is, can actually make a good investment. So we have listeners all around the world. Is this primarily in the United States or do you have a geographical preference to where the anchors and the add-ons are? Uh, I think it, primarily in the United States, especially for the anchor. It depends on, I would imagine that if there's some company that is not in the United States, Canada, England, Europe, we have been talking to people. There are some smaller companies in Canada that were for sale that could be good bolt-ons, geographically speaking. There were also some people we've been speaking to in England and in Europe who are uh, involved in, in bigger companies that could provide either references or referrals or could be a potential buyer. And I think it'd be okay if the anchor or, I mean, some of the bolt-ons were in Europe. It depends on the anchor, really, whether it makes sense. To, to go outside of the geographically, because you're talking about if it's an end product, chocolate is meltable. So shipping it long distances, if it's the raw product, that's different. So say if it's a supplier, some of them are not in this country. And so it would make sense to, Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Let me sit right still. But anyway, so does that answer your question? I think. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. So I was just curious, is, are you looking for anything in the supply line? Because, I mean, technically you could buy a, a I'm going to mix it up, the chocolatier or the one that actually takes the cacao and uh, turns it into the ingot or the bar or whatever you want to call it, the little pieces for the other people to use. You could buy one of those. And then technically you could find somebody who does imports of exports or imports of cacao and buy an importer so you and he has all the connections to the farms and all the different places and knows the variety of it or you could buy a distributor there's all, all these right. different things or here i live in wine country there's something like probably a couple thousand tens of thousands of vineyards <laughs> within a hundred mile radius i'm not joking i think it's thousands of vineyards micro vineyards and stuff they all have gift shops and they also coffee i mean chocolate to go with their stuff and a lot of those guys they're looking for unique products you might be able to find some place that just gourmet makes white labeled products for oh. companies like that yeah there's all i mean it's really wide open in terms of who we can work with and really does depend on the vision of the anchor and that's where we've been working we've been honing in just to go back a little bit, how we chose the chocolate industry. That's what I was asking. <laughs> I helped work on the spreadsheet on how to pick the how to pick an industry that's ripe for a roll up. Let's step back into that a little bit. I helped put together a little spreadsheet tool that helps select, helps you compare different industries and figure out which one's right for you for your next roll up. And then you, your team took it a little further and put some numbers to it and weighted the matrix and did some cool stuff with it. And I used the version that came from your team. Now, tell me about yeah. how that. Uh, tell me about the selection criteria. Why chocolate tier and why chocolate? Walid Kastandi was in the IMA roll-up with us also, and mm -hmm. he, he pulled this team together. And he's really great with those spreadsheets and putting in all the formulas. And he and Eric worked on, I don't know. It's not my forte. I can use Excel, but mm -hmm. they put that together in such a great way that it helped us hone in and put numerical weights on everything. I don't even remember how many points that we had, maybe 30 that yeah. we were weighing. We did research for a couple of months. I think we researched about a hundred different industries this, and chocolate. This, go ahead. As I said, the spreadsheet I started off with had at least 20 
slots for things to choose from. Yeah. And you guys bumped it down to 30 and then I had a spot. I had it lined up to test 15, 20 different industries against each other. Cause I was looking at different ones. So, and you guys took that a little further too. So I knew you, you yeah. spent months. It went broad because we wanted to, to get a good grasp and we didn't want to limit ourselves. We narrowed it down to the top five. And chocolate was in there. It was really surprising because we were, I was thinking, hey, manufacturing, we got to do, it could be cardboard, it could be plastic. And we come up with chocolate and everybody, of course, is, I mean, everyone on the team kind of loves chocolate. So that part was, I was like, can we really work in something that we all enjoy? That (laughs) was surprising, but the profit margins are great too. And the industry has a couple of big hitters, but a lot of trying to my nouns are fragmented one of the selection criteria for roll-up is it's a fragmented industry yeah fragmentation there's a lot of small players out there nobody's already gobbled them all up another one way i put on the spreadsheet that it's important for me to look at is high profit margin and i joke around because it's ours to mess up not ours to improve (laughs) right so pick an industry where it runs they run really well they have a lot of profit margin and it gives you room to make some adjustments you gotta like the industry and there's got to be some other stuff in there that is like, historically, they just have a hard time exiting. It was right. really good. The marketing roll-up we did was amazing because there's an artificial ceiling inside of marketing agencies that keep them from getting bigger. So they either have to merge or buy another company mm-hmm. or something because they hit this little artificial ceiling where they're they're not big enough to keep the talent that they grew and trained, but they're those people are wanting to move off, but yet they can't go get the clients that those that talent wants to work with. So there's an inherent issue inside of that. I think chocolate is there's a certain point where like, I think it might be the logistics of it, right? Once you grow out of shipping out of your local area, you've got to really change your game in order to be bigger. Right. And COVID had a big impact on that. The supply chain kind of went crazy and it's like just about everybody and shipping the end product can be really tricky too, because you've got to, you got to put ice packs in there. And sometimes depending on what kind of chocolate you put together, it can, different parts of the elements of the chocolate can shift and some mm-hmm. of them can kind of, so it changes the color. It changes the texture. It's not gone bad. It just doesn't look good anymore. So you have to really, I mean, there's a lot of science. It's a very specific method and you have to do it right and right. you have to do it well. And so shipping can be a problem. And like I said, supply chain, getting the growers, some areas where people are growing cacao, there's strife. A lot of them are economically challenged. So there's a big push to be very fair to the growers, to provide them with the means to have a good price recompense compensation for all of the work they're doing. So there's a, it's anything where you have that kind of raw product being created and grown in areas all over the world and every area has its different flavors too it's a different flavor profiles there's just so much that goes into into the supply chain and you've gone through roland's program with he's come up with i'm sure it's not novel but the acquisition wheel there's a lot of possibility in the acquisition wheel itself which if you haven't taken roland's program it's just really what other types of companies can you acquire or create an alliance with or partner with that can benefit your company and benefit them as well. So from media to community groups, to supply chain and et cetera. Right after you did rolling, you guys spent, you and Eric both spent what a year with Jay Abrahams too, right? 
uh, two years, two years in a mentorship program. We just finished in December. Yeah. So it was, it was an incredible, and we're going to go spend some time with him in May, one-on-one or face-to-face, which he's pretty brilliant. Absolutely. Not just for marketing, but just how do you run a business? How do you make sales? I think he's probably one of the best minds we have right now. A lot of people don't know who Jay Abraham is. I think he's one of the best minds we have right now on growing a business, cross-selling, unique mm-hmm. ideas, upselling, cross-selling, just thinking outside of the box type of guys. Yeah. Had and I his had, discernment, his ability yeah. to discern what's going on in your company. You can talk to him for like two minutes and he'll come up with a plan for you or just, I mean, he is brilliant. It's wonderful to be able to to talk to him and hear his brilliance. It's really amazing. So cool. And then we're moving through all the stuff you're working on. You guys actually have a little bit of an advisory thing too, that grow scale exit, right? Oh yeah. Eric and I, that's, that's something that we created a couple of years ago. And yeah, we work with companies to help them grow at, I mean, grow scale and exit. So our position is to, we'd like to partner. We can do a one-off kind of consultative type of work with companies where we'll come in and we'll put together a blueprint for you, spend a few hours, work with you. You will come out of that meeting with, with a plan in hand. This is what you can do, or we can work with you to take that plan, make it happen. We like to work for equity or cash and equity combined, depending on the company, if it meets our goal or our needs too, if we think we can work well together, but yeah, I enjoy working with business owners who are passionate about what they're doing. And uh, I find that a lot of fun. Fun is important to me. It's one of my, it's like, it's gotta be fun. Funny is I put that on that, right. On the evaluation of companies I might want to get involved with. I went through the same thing, but I, I was really close to pulling the trigger on doing acquisitions of coffee companies. So it's same type of, you're still buying beans or you're still dealing with fair trade practices, countries that are, where the farmers aren't being treated perfectly the way they should right. be. So you got it. There's still all that fair trade type of ins and outs. And the reason I like the coffee is people become so loyal to their brand of coffee. You mm-hmm. build subscription models, recurring revenue, and different roasting companies could buy. My goal was is to buy multiple roasting companies, move them all into subscription base, teach them each other's res- recipes. So if somebody was busy, another person could roast. If they have the right bean and the right recipe, they could make that roast and get it to that customer. And the only reason I switched gears was I ended up moving and realizing I like to be able to pull the trigger and move if I need to. So you see the stairs behind me. I live in a tiny home. I'm, we were talking about this before the show. I live in the Redwood Forest of Northern California. I've, I can dart off to the ocean, to the vineyards, or to the mountains, depending on which direction I go at any given time. I like that. And I don't care what anybody says. If you buy a brick-and-mortar company, you have to expect to be able to, and we're willing to go to that company on a regular basis, especially right. for the first six months to a year. So I was looking at that. Now I'm doing buying newsletters and blogs and stuff I can run virtually from anywhere in the world because it it lives up to my nomad lifestyle. So let's take a second real quick. We're going to talk about that because you and I are working on a really cool project in that space. We're about 30 minutes into the show. And this is a time where if you are one of the sponsors, we do a shout out for you. This week's shout out is to Sweetwater Partners. They buy, grow and sell. They're out of Texas. There's thanks to Sweetwater Partners. They're an acquisition company looking to buy B2B companies in Texas from the range of $1 million to $30 million in revenue. And if you guys 
are interested in learning more about that, make sure you check out our newsletter deeper. They're featured in there. They're one of our founding partners inside of the newsletter now. So thank you for that. And we're going to talk about another really cool newsletter coming up. And if you were a sponsor, this would be a spot for your shot. (laughs) (laughs) I have to start putting that in there. You got to like let people know that you're willing to take on sponsors. It's funny as I was listening to one of my guys I like listening to on the show and I asked, they were talking about how you got his first sponsor. He says, I just started like 30 minutes. I started going, if you were a sponsor, your spot would be here. And then somebody would email him and call him and go, hey, I'll take that spot. So uh, yeah, decide where, like the we're billboards, gonna, you know, your ad could be here. Your ad here. That was your ad here spot. And then the Sweetwater Partners, they're a founding member of the newsletter that we just launched for this podcast, the How to Exit podcast. It's called Deeper. That QR code at the upper left is that. And then you and I just launched on the same day. Not that I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> you and I launched a really cool newsletter called The Hub, the Acquisitions the Hub. Hub. That's I, right. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about what we're doing. And I'll put that QR up over here so people know how to join there. So here's the QR code to to check this out as we talk about it. Yeah, it's within my background in publishing. I just, I just love it. And I'm not nomadic right now because I have, I have my 91 year old mom living with me. So that kind of keeps me at home a lot. But the fact that I can do publishing from anywhere and thank God for Zoom and other video conferencing tools is it's given me the ability to do this kind of work with you. And then I love newsletters. I love publishing. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. Talking about in our space in the small to medium business size businesses and mergers and acquisitions in that space, there hasn't been a lot. There, there hasn't been something that can consolidate what's going on out there so that you don't have to go searching for how do I do this? Or who's doing what? Who can I trust in the space to learn from? And how do I find something out? So, so you and I were talking about that one. So I started looking around too. And I was like, there just really isn't any source out there where there's like a dozen newsletters out there if you're doing middle market and above. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole websites around it. When you're talking the micro deal, which is anything they call micro M&A now, anything below 5 million. If you're going to the micro, micro to mid market or small business, basically, I don't know, I don't know if we've ever actually formally said, but I kind of view our, the hub is pretty much any deal 30 million and below, right? Right underneath the radar of the P&E guys. So depending right. on the industry, the P&E guys will dip below that 30 million in revenue, $30 million acquisition price. They'll dip below that in some industries, but most of the industries, that's kind of 25, 30 is where they're, that's their floor. So we're out there collecting news, what's happening, reviewing podcasts, including this one, many others. We probably look through 10 or 15, 20, pick the best four or five episodes that week and Mm -hmm. review that. We look at news, right? Like what's happening in the news Mm -hmm. space. We have a, like we call it news slash knowledge because sometimes it's a blog post about a learning topic. Right. And then we cover events happening in the space, give you cool people to follow on social media. It's just, we're having fun with this, right? Yeah. I think this morning we released our, as of this show's, this morning, the show, I'm going to take the evergreen away from the the video. But as of this morning, I think was our third yeah. issue, right? We're just looking for people to subscribe to it and tell us what they're looking for. Be honest, it's pretty pliable at this stage. If we had a group of people that said, hey, we actually really need XYZ, G and I would, and our teams would would put that together for you guys. So we're trying to build what the industry wants. And this is something 
you and I wanted. <laughs> like we wanted to be able to go and take a glance and see what's going on in the space and learn from other people's mistakes, gather knowledge from other people's insights. And that's the beauty of a curated newsletter is you don't have to figure it all on your own. You can see what's going on, how they're doing it, what they're doing, and then take those ideas and apply them to whatever projects or something you're thinking about. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, it's a space that, that we saw a need. And, yeah. and we really hope that people are going to find what they're looking for. And like Ron said, if you can tell us what you, what you need, we will model it on what the market needs. Give us a shout, subscribe, let us know what you, what you need. Talk to us. On week one, I'd have told you, this industry needs more content. This industry needs more content. On week two, I would probably have said, yeah, I still think it needs a little more content. This week was the first time we looked at stuff and not all of it would fit in the newsletter. Right? We found yeah. enough good content out there. Maybe it's just a good news week, but we found enough good content out there where some stuff just didn't make it. Right? Some good stuff. We put all the, yeah. what Our goal is we look at everything that's like good. And then we figure out what's great and we put that the best of what we can in there and not make it too long. <laughs> it's a pretty long newsletter, but uh, we try to not have it be 50 million items for you to read. Well, I mean, the thing is, you might not read everything, but it's there. You don't have to go and you don't have to Google. You don't have to search through pages and pages of search results to see what can I look at? Where, how can I find this? And that's what we want to build eventually add more, say the overflow to our website and just have a kind of a, like a, not a library, but a resource where you can find things for our arena. We're not the PE guys. If you're listening to this and you can't see the video right now, you want to go to the hub. That's T-H-E-H-U-B dot A-C-Q hub dot com. And that'll take you there. Eventually it's going to be, I kind of jokingly call it the Swiss army knife website, <laughs> where if you want to figure out what you need and where to find it, We'll have that on there. We'll put all our news articles on there, but we'll also, like if you're looking for companies that help you do a due diligence or a lesson on how to how to read messy financials. Oh, <laughs> I've yeah. seen a lot of lessons <laughs> on how to read income statements and balance statements. I want the second I find somebody's done a really good job of like, here's mom and pop's financials and here's how you put it in and actually move that to a standard <laughs> income statement balance sheet. When I yeah, find that lesson, we'll put that all over everything just because I... Learned, I learned it through my own pain, sweat, and tears. I don't think I could teach it. That said, our goal on the ACQ hub, the acquisition hub, is to be the hub. It would be the center of everything you need to point you at the right resources. And then the newsletter right now, we started with that first, is to what's out there? What are people talking about? What are they doing? And start gathering that stuff up so we can figure out what goes on the hub, what goes on the website. I mean, it's not just meeting a meet, a need, but it's kind of a passion project for us. We like to help people know, spread, so, spread the news. <laughs> if you guys are wanting to be, that's another thing. If you guys are out there and you're in this space, you've got a big win or something, you want a story written about it or something like that. I have it written up in this shit, share it with us. Gia is our co-founder and chief editor of it. So it all has to go mm -hmm. through her. I'm kind of the nerdy guy, fix the software and I, <laughs> I go hunting things down and I hack really cool tools that we can click on it and put it in a look at this article later type of little tools. And yeah. I'm the resident nerd co-founder guy, but when it comes down to what content makes it there, I kind of rely on her because you have the news background. And I love your nerdiness. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for nerdy people. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So let's go back to you and what you all these different things. Like, how do you manage all of it? I know I've got a million things. Everybody asks me. I'm asking you because people ask me the same. How do you I, do all the different stuff? Constantly looking for new, like the tool that you put together, new, I guess, not just tips and tricks because I've tried so many of them and they don't last over time. And right now I'm really just on a day-to-day basis. I'm looking at what I have and what do I have to do today and setting up, I've looked at things like EOS and I can't even think of some of the other ones right now, but um, the thing that struck me is setting up a cadence of my week. Eric and I did it for a time too, and it really helped structure, but we have a quick, it's supposed to be a quick call. But it turns out to be sometimes a half hour, 40 minutes, because number one, we like each other. And so there's a little bit of how was your day and how's your wife and that kind of thing. But really the cadence of every day we're going to check in. We're going to talk about what are you doing today? What am I doing today? And that sets, it's not, it's a little bit easier than filling out your daily calendar of to do's because I'm checking in with somebody else. And so there's my calendar. There's if it's not account. in my calendar, it doesn't happen. I get it. I know. And I have my calendar. I've got my phone filled with crap on yeah. my calendar. But having the accountability of working with somebody else and I'm telling them that this is what I'm committing to today. And I've been, it's helped me move further along at a faster pace more easily. So that cadence, whether I do it with someone else or not, having the cadence on a daily and a weekly basis and a monthly. So I have my end of week set up my end of month and my end of quarter kind of using that 12 week year process mm-hmm. every 12 weeks going through and all right, where are we? What are we doing? What did we meet? What did we miss? Let's reevaluate. Let's set up for another 12 weeks and then checking in with that every week and every month. And it, at the end of the week, it's like, what did I accomplish this week? Did I hit my goals? Did I, again, it's very similar. It's just iterative. And yeah. having that that rhythm, like the Tootsie Roll dance that we talked about, <laughs> that neither one of us know, but having the rhythm really helps. I mean, and, and uh, clipping, trimming, making mm-hmm. sure, okay, I was involved with a bunch of projects at one point and I felt scattered. And so trimming down, focusing in, I've got a few things, but some of them are kind of, they fit together well. So I'm not doing something totally different over here and something. And there's another project that we're working on that I want to touch on before we sign off. No, we got plenty of time. So the, I love what you're doing there and that I do the same thing. My evaluation process, and you'll hear this, you probably heard this a million times because you've been in many meetings is I boil it down to three questions. What did we do really well? I always start with the really well. I was reading something where one guy was referring to and his boss used to walk in and go, where do we find the blueberries this week? Right. And like, where did you find the little treats? What did we do well? So I always yeah. start off with the win. What did we do really well? And a little bit of analysis. What did we do really well? And how is it really well? Right. And then what could we have done better? And then the third question, like, you know, we could have done X, Y, and Z a little bit better. And then what do we totally miss? Like, is there anything we should have, like, we just, we should have done, we didn't even think about it. We totally missed it. And now we know it. We missed it. Right. I know that there's this, there's things, there's things you think, and there's things you don't know that you don't know. Right. When you say, what did you miss? If you really missed it and you don't know, you missed it. You don't know. And that's why we ask our, you guys for like the hub, what are we missing? Because there's going to be things we don't know that we don't know. There's things we don't know that we're missing. And by you pointing it out, we can go, okay, well, one person said we're missing X, Y, and Z. And then when two and three and four people go, you're missing 
why? <laughs> okay, well, we've got five people out of X, Y, and Z that says why needs to be in this. So let's put right. why in there. So that's one of the reasons reach out, reach out to us and tell you, tell us what you're looking for in this space. We're building tools for you that benefit us and you. So the only way we build those the way you need them to make them work for you is for you to speak up and tell us what you need. So cool. You said you had one more cool thing you're working on. What is that? But yeah, I mean, um, as a result, I think you said you you referred. Bridget over to us, Bridget Lindsay. Either Bridget or somebody that knew her came to one of my, I do a, a, a twice a month, actually it's today <laughs> at around four, but twice a month I meet with acquisition entrepreneurs, usually about 15, 20, 25 of us will get in a room and we're like, where are you at and what you need help with kind of things. So it's a networking thing, but kind of a mostly networking, slightly mastermind type of stuff because our goal is to help each other move forward a little bit. And we have new people in the room. It's a Zoom call. But somebody came to that meeting and brought that concept to me and said, who do you know? And then I passed that contact to Waleed. And it was yeah. like, you're talking about the hemp versus or CBD, hemp, cannabis, chocolate. Uh, yeah, it, it's actually a recipe or a process that Bridget Ludi came up with. She's been a chocolatier for like 40 years. Her chocolate really developed a great name. And then she got diabetes and she had been working with cannabis and hemp for a long time, apparently helping veterans with their just, I mean, PTSD or all of the other pain. It's well known that hemp and CBD and cannabis have a big impact in that area. And about four years ago, she was diagnosed with diabetes suddenly as a result of a virus. It blew her away. She was just apparently nearly died. She didn't know that she had it. She had this virus and she wasn't getting better. She went to the, and the virus actually caused the diabetes. So she's type one. It led her down this path of really creating a good sugar-free chocolate. And that, that is then infused with hemp. She also has a recipe for cannabis, which she's looking to license. And we're working with her to help find people who want to license that for their states. But hemp and hemp seed is actually legal nationally. That's why it's like, let's stick with this, but hemp seed has the same benefits and without any THC, without any, so you're not going to get loopy. You're going to get the benefit. And that that's for her with the sugar-free, there's no blood sugar change. And I think she's, I just interviewed her and we're kind of putting that video together for people to hear her story and why she came up with this process. And it's very compelling. So we want to, for anybody who has diabetes or a family member with this kind of an issue, if you love chocolate, there isn't anything out there that tastes good. My wife just told, got told that she's borderline. I'm a heavy guy. I'm blessed that I don't have it. It doesn't run in my family at all. Both her parents were diabetic. So she's testing her blood daily now. She has a little glucose meter and everything. She doesn't have to take any medicine or anything, but she just has to watch it. And she's like trying out different sugar-free type of stuff and not very many of us good. Yeah. No, it's, I've tried before too, just because I don't want to eat sugar because the body doesn't, what is the body is like, what the hell is this stuff that doesn't know what to do with it, but to have something that tastes good. And I've tried some of these there mm-hmm. and she has different flavors. There's raspberry and there's like Kona coffee, something or other that is like, that is really good. I love the yeah. raspberry. I love chocolate and raspberry. The yeah. chocolate flavor itself, the temper on the chocolate, it's just really well done. And we're working with her to help get the manufacturing going. She needs to kind of get a bigger plant and wants to get the attention of the people who do have diabetes 
who want this and need it, the benefit of the hemp and the flavor that you can't, she can't eat hardly anything anymore. You've got to change your diet so much. So having the ability to have some kind of yumminess is really important. You don't want to have, still have good flavor. So that's something we're working on. And she's a lovely woman. She's just, she's so passionate and it's so much fun to work with somebody who loves what they're doing and is so impassioned about it. I just wanted to bring that up because I think we're going to do a uh, crowdfunding with her. And I think that'll be, so when we launch that, I'm going to let you know. And you can let your audiences know. And I think that'll be really great for people who have diabetes and are looking for something that tastes good and can also help with some of the symptoms without impacting the blood sugar levels. Yeah, I actually have, I know some people in the space for the anxiety and PTSD space and charities around that. I'm prior military and I tell very many people, but I'm low, I've been diagnosed with PTSD at a low level, anxiety issues and some other stuff. So I deal with my own set of stuff. That said... I know one of the guys that's leading the Dina charity has some cool products. He was in the cannabis space for a little while. Actually, I don't know what happened in that. He was actually teamed up with Jordan Belfort for a little bit on a cannabis project. And I think it went sideways or gone, but he still has the anti-anxiety, the company stuff. So as you get that going, I can make an introduction to that. Those guys, I don't know him very well. We used to live very close to each other when we were both in Dallas. We were friends on social media, both prior military. And then if you know anybody who's high high ADD or high PTSD type of stuff, you might make plans to meet somebody and decide you're just not going out in public for a little while. So there was a yeah. few times where I was like, hey, let's, I sent him an email or something. Hey, we should meet up. Yeah, yeah, let's do that soon. And I ended up moving out of state before we ever even like got in the same space. <laughs> I support really what he's working on enough that I'll make the introduction to you guys. So, yeah, I'd uh, love that. I'd love that. Any kind of, anybody who's interested in the ADD, the PTSD, the relief of the symptoms, and mm-hmm. then also, because it's just... So many people are suffering. There's a way to help. And that's what. That's why we kind of jumped in with Bridget, because we all know people who need that kind of help. Either the pain, I mean, the pain alone, you know what it's like being in pain. It sucks. Yeah. It's so, interesting. Uh, I, don't even, I don't think I've ever shared this on here before. I have actually had not one, but two, maybe even three panic attacks where uh, as a heavy guy, if you're heavy and your heart starts hurting, you go to the hospital, right? <laughs> and uh, the first time it was years ago. Uh, I went to the hospital, think I was having a heart attack, get there. They run all these tests on me. Like, you sir, you're not having a heart attack. You're having an anxiety attack or a panic attack. And I'm like, I am not anxious. I got it. Like, you're just getting too excited. I don't get excited. Then you realize, wait a second here. It's scary. It's, it's one of those, it can manifest in a duff, a bunch of different ways. Now I'm a weird cat. I do meditation. I do all kinds of other stuff just to do stuff. Yeah. I'm really on my own. So I've been able to manage mine with, through that type of method. I can really tell when I'm starting to tense up. I can tell when things are starting to come on early. And then I rarely, I do have medicine for it, but I rarely need any of that just because I say rarely once every few weeks or something, I can feel an anxiety attack or something starting to try to pop up. I take a CBD based product and it relaxes me just enough. I hate feeling loopy. I don't want to take anything that makes me feel high or anything like that. I've had all the cards and license when in states you have to have a license to get it. I got them and then tried them. And like, I do not like that feeling. I just don't. A lot of people don't, they don't want to feel loopy. And that's why I think if you do want to feel a little high then cannabis product is great. If that doesn't yeah. bother you, if you like it, if it helps yeah. you relax, I meditate a lot too. I mean, that yeah. helps me 
I've had anxiety too from mm. different things back in life. I, I all... wasn't in the military, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't. I'll be fifty-one tomorrow. I don't think you can make it this. I don't see how any natural human being can make it to fifty-one without having a little PTSD and a little anxiety. A uh, little bit of something, yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's wrap this up. So if people want to reach out and like work with you on a project or set, tell you about something they they want to work on, or they got a chocolate to your company, or they have an in for your your CBD slash cannabis chocolate lady. This one, yeah. If they've heard something on this show that intrigues them and they want to connect with you, what's the best for, way for people to reach out? It is a great way. I'm the only one, the only Gia Salento on LinkedIn. It's not hard to find me. And if you want to email me, Gia at GiaSalento.com. I think those are the best ways. I don't know if I should give out a phone number. On nah, LinkedIn. probably not here. Hey, if you, and if you want us to like, She's actually listed on all the every single page of our newsletter. So I want to reach out to her there. Her links to that. Subscribe to that. Subscribe to the hub. Figure out what's going on in this industry. Let us know what you want us to put in there. And then she's the editor and co-founder That's of that. Right. So you'll be able to see her. I think we make you the author of almost every article anyway. So <laughs> you'll be able to click on there, see your profile. Have your I think yeah, if you filled yeah. out your thing on there, you'll actually have all your social media links on there too. So that'd be a way for them to and that is to go through the, the newsletter. Excellent. Yeah. Any of those ways, I'd be glad to hear from you. If you, even if you have a question, you want to reach out with a question or you have something you want us to add into the hub, please just reach out and, and I'll get right back to you. Awesome. Well, yeah. I thank you for having, for being here today. I thank you for your time. I thank you for partnering with me on some of this. There's just certain things that just are enough work. You don't want to do them on your own. When I made up the, I made up my mind, I was going to do something like this. I was like, I need somebody on there. So I started with you because I was like, if I could pick anybody to be on this with me, you know, who has news experience, newsletter experience, who would be a great editor? And I thought, I'll oh, see wow. what, I know she's really busy, but let's just see what she's up to and if she's willing. And oh, yeah. thank you for saying yes. I already own the domains. I'll tell you how fast <laughs> I move. You can attest this to that, everybody listening pretty much ready aim fire i mean ready fire aims yeah it was i know you're like that just from the past i'm excited about it and i really appreciate you bringing me on your show and dubbing me to to come and work on the hub with you i love it i love this kind of stuff and you made it really easy with your techie nerdy stuff so i'm really grateful and glad to be here and i'm looking forward to what we create with this me too. And I'm looking forward to making it easier and easier so we can spend more <laughs> yeah. time on finding the best content. The less we have to do the tedious stuff, the more we can focus on finding the right content. And if we can't find it, start, starting to hire writers and actually starting to write some of the best content. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's our next phase. Let's get this ironed down. Let's get a few more weeks behind us and let's figure out, do we need to start writing articles? Do we need to start reaching out to everybody in, inside of all the subscribers and go, what are your wins for the week? Can we interview you and write an article about something you're working on or your, a success yeah. story you had? And eventually I can foresee us having writers writing content. I like that idea. What's your win? What's your win this week? Get people involved because some people don't have anyone to share that win with. You can't always count on your family. You can't always talk to your partner, your spouse, or your kids. <laughs> oh, you should have seen my wife's eyes when I told her about, hey, I hacked this little tool and I click on it. And now it just throws it in the sun. And she's like, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's really like we spent hours doing this the week before now we can just click a button and it's like it's there for us to look at later and she's like uh-huh yes and you can and that's a good thing okay i'm happy for you right the kind of glaze like oh isn't that lovely well i appreciate you being here right. i think it's a fun show let's call that a show and hang out for a few seconds All right. afterwards okay i love it thank you All right. 
Hey, it's your host, Ronald Skelton. I want to thank you personally for watching the show today and invite you to call our new hotline, 918-641-4150. That's 918-641-4150. Call us and tell us about our show, ask questions, uh, suggest a guest, or even tell me about a business you have for sale and we'll reach back out to you. Again, that number is 918-641-4150. Call our hotline and leave us some information. Thank you. I want to announce our new channel partners, the ITX Marketplace. Since 1998, ITX has created $5 billion in value by selling more than 225 IT businesses in 20 countries. ITX works exclusively with IT-enabled businesses generating between $5 million and $30 million who are ready to be sold and M&A decision makers who are ready to buy. For over 25 years, ITX has developed industry knowledge that helps determine whether a seller is a good fit for their buyers before making the match. ITX Mergers and Acquisition Marketplace we have partnered with has a proprietary database of 50,000 plus global buyers seeking IT service firms, managed service providers, Microsoft service providers, software as a service platforms, and channel partners with Microsoft, Oracle, ServiceNow, and, self, and, and the Salesforce space. If you have an IT-enabled business you're ready to sell, I want you to visit the IT exchangenet.com slash marketplace how to exit that link will be in the show notes visit them now